0: So, I like uh, immediate teachings. And uh, the temperature is an immediate teaching. <laughs> I find, uh, seriously, if I could just go into this just for a moment, I find we've become very theoretical in our practice. We know the theories of suffering, we know the uh, strategies by which the uh, end of suffering and the uh, rising of suffering. And then we can probably recite pretty well the 8 year uh But the integration of the book, the actual meeting of the moments with that theory uh, in times of difficulty, it gets very thin. And i was been thinking about it today as the heat has risen above the uh, comfort level for us Seattleites I don't think there's any question about that is <clears throat> how are meetings you see and the squirming that many of us do in relationship to this moment whether we're even connecting that immediacy of the difficulty with the theory of what we do when we come here is there any meaning is there any integration if there's not what are we doing what are we doing if we're not willing to step forward into the difficult, and the difficult doesn't arrive as some abstraction in the future. It doesn't give us warning that it's going to occur necessarily as a weather condition does. It just comes. And it's... All we need with the strategy of defense rather than from the integration and posture that we have learned week after week. So of, uh, let's just relax and be patient with this temperature. It's not going away. It's not going away for several days, actually. In fact, it's going to get worse. So what are we going to do when that happens? When there is no alternative environment to seek, what do we do with that? And so, this is the practicality of day-to-day living. And unless we need the Dharma with this practicality, which is the point, the purpose of the homework, is to find those areas of practicality. So the theory of the talk becomes directly applied to the day in, day out living situation. Then it's not, uh, really, it's, this is text, this is just textbook reading. Right? So what is it that we do? Well, the topic of hand is the point of hand. And the topic at hand is the topic of patience. Patience, it was said by the Buddha, let me see if I can get the quote correctly. Patience is the highest form of devotion. Patience is the highest form of devotion. that's interesting, isn't it? What what could he possibly be talking about? The highest form of devotion. You see, let's just look at it for a moment, because I think it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. If we really understand that this moment is all there is, then the willingness to surrender to this moment is a devotion, is an act of devotion. It's not an act of begrudgment, it's an act of sheer surrender, an act of absolute, um, the willingness to absolutely show up for us, for, for ourselves and the experience itself. That. that sense of having no alternatives is what I think he meant by being devoted to the moment, being completely devoted. So the devotion is. In the sense that this is reality, devoted to reality, not devoted to someone or some possibility or some escape route, but that this reality is either going to save me or it's going to destroy me. And up until this point, I've been using reality to destroy, me because I've been constantly coming up with alternatives to reality that allow me some sense of procrastination or rationalization to reality, and all that does is to create the rub of my own confusion and the distance and pain to the reality that is at hand. So if I'm devoted to reality, I put none of that between myself and reality. That's it. And this reality is a warm. in of story. It doesn't become pleasant. It just has no alternative. <coughs> and now I don't move. from and when we don't move from it, it no longer, it's the, old, it's the movement from it that creates the discord. It's the kind how come it's so hot? Or the global warming philosophy would be great to. Or the, not that global warming isn't true, it's just that it doesn't save us from this moment. Or the negotiation, no, I'm not coming next week. I'll come this week. I'm not coming, this is two And actually, when you surrender all of that dissonance, that cognitive dissonance, it's not so bad, really. It spreads out. It has spaciousness. It gives us some breath. So maneuverability. When we're in the contentious Combative mode. There's no maneuverability. We're just we're drawn into the contracted spirit of the moment of the times. Now patience is extraordinary. Extraordinary. I love these parties because there's no conditioned edge to a party. Most of us have conditioned edges. You know, as I was mentioning in some of the other party talks. You know, generosity, I'll be generous up to a certain point. That's our conditioned edge with generosity. Or I'm willing to be moral and ethical, but not when it comes to taxes. <laughs> right? That's our conditioned edge to it. Right? And each of the parmies has that kind of conditioned edge to it for most of us and how we inhabit the parm. But the parmi itself is unconditioned. It does has no plunge ball. It has no. It has no uh, escape route. Mark. And patience is wide open like other parts. It's so beautiful, and therefore we can see our contraction within the space of that of that unfettered heart. We can see our own discursiveness. We can see our own complaint within the unfettered openness of the part And that's where we work. That's where we work. That's where we bring our attention. That's where we see where our complaint is. That's where we are gambling ourselves away. And we can also begin to see how each of the parma paramis contain all the other parts because we're only talking about one thing one thing, there's only one thing to talk about in life. And everything else is a configuration of that one thing. Presence. And so as we talk about this wide-open presence from different points of view, different perspectives, we have seen the perspective of generosity, which is a wide-open, because it's not sheltered by loneliness or selfishness, so the harmony of generosity is wide open, which doesn't mean it gives itself away, it doesn't mean it gives itself a whole of leaves, because the generosity also circum, is complete 360, It also includes the person who's being generous and the limitations of that person. So we all, we have to find our way into this, and usually we try to think our way into it, by saying, okay, well, so what does it mean to be generous in this moment? And we get only partially successful in our thinking about a party because a doesn't hold thought or it's quiet still. Still. And so one aspect of harmony, parami, the harmony uh, is generosity, another is uh sealer or ethical conduct, another is Renunciation, uh, that we talk about, another is wisdom, that we talk about, another is energy, which we talk about, another is patience. All of those, you can look at patience in, in terms of a, of a sense of generosity, can't Patience is being open so that we're not, we're being generous with our time and And you also can see how Generosity or patience is a product of energy showing up. Can't be patient in abstraction, in ostentia, right? That's not patience. Patience is active, it's alive, it's vital. And it also contains wisdom within it because it's not closing down around selfish needs. So the wisdom is keeping them vital. So you can see how all the heartings are contained within this central body. It's because we're not talking about one thing. We're talking about blood. Talking about the heart. These are expressions of the heart. These are inclusive components of the heart. And each of us have a heart. Each of us have a heart. And so there's a sense of when we abide in our hearts, when we let that heart come out, when we're, not, when we're not defending ourselves against the circumstances of the moment, which is the mental way to keep ourselves separated from, when we're just, when we're really being present, you can feel all of the richness of that, the textures of that presence. It's very rich, very, it's almost tangible. And we realize that the qualities of heart are qualities of sensitivity. Mm-hmm. That, you know, in, I love teaching uh, beginning courses, and I'm doing another one as we speak, because beginners are so, um, hurried and so, so, uh, compromised in, in how they approach life. And they only work within this with this task until they start seeing some results. And if they don't see it immediately, then it's out the door. In fact, I I eighty percent of the people that come through the beginning class I never see again. Now I don't know whether they continue to practice on that I don't know, but I never seen them. And it makes me think that a great deal of that those people just give it up because they don't see the rewards great enough. It's like Going through the drive-in window of Burger King, you know, or thrives, and got 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, this sense of hurriedness. See, that's not the, the, we have, that's what we're stepping out of. That's what we're stepping out of. We're stepping into something that's far-ranging. See, when the Buddha, which I really love, see, the Buddha, he talked about time in terms of endless time. And I think that was because he wanted to take time away from us. Not to make us feel discouraged within how long this has got to go on. So he would present metaphors, like he would say, Um, you want to know how long you've been around as a person? He said, well, if I took a yoke from an ox. A yoke the size of an ox's neck. And I threw it out into the waters of the great oceans. And I just let it float around and then there was a blind turtle somewhere in the oceans, not underneath the yoke, but somewhere in Australia, the yoke was thrown out and in India, right? So once every hundred years, this blind turtle comes up from the bottom and sticks his head out and goes back down for another. Year. The chance of him coming up and sticking his head through the yoke, that's how long we've been around. <laughs> So that takes it away, right? That's never gonna happen. It's like having a monkey tighten Hamlet. <laughs> doesn't happen. You can have monkeys type and forever. It doesn't happen. They, can't you see the turtle coming up and just brushing the oath? this <laughs> <laughs> it, knocking it, going down, and then it's see that's you just can't do this thing. it's just <laughs> unbearable. It's unbearable to think in terms of time. So that takes it away. Now when time's away, now it's interesting. I like that. On one time, I don't want time hanging around. Like how much longer? How many more lifetimes do I have? <laughs> <laughs> I <think> it, <laughs> it, takes the, it clears the whining away, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, it's it. It's wide open. This is never going to end. And yet it, that's the beginning. It's never going to end and that's the beginning. You see, that's where death is. Death says, this is going to end, and that's the beginning. If it weren't going to end, see, it opens us up. It gives us opportunity. Death gives us opportunity. So does taking time away give us the same opportunity. So well, that's it. says so, you know, that's it. And that's where patience comes in. And patience can come in. Patience can't come in as long as we're talking ourselves. And so the qualities of heart, the qualities of nourishment, the qualities on which all practice is based, not just this practice, all authentic practices, are based in, first and foremost, discovery. It's a discovery. It's a, this We're entering discovery. When you're discovering something, you can't be impatient with what it is and how fast it to discover it. I was reading uh, an Alan Watts or not reading it, was somewhere on the video or something else, was Alan Watts video. Uh, Alan Watts stuff. It was the 1950s one of the first spiritual voices he in the early part of um, the middle part of the 20th century. Anyway, I was just watching a little clip. And he was saying, you know, our whole life, we do things in order for it to be completed so that then we can arrive. We go through elementary school to arrive, so we complete that so we can get into high school, complete that, get into college, and complete that, and on and on. And finally, we see that whatever we sense as completion is just another starting point, it's something else. We never complete anything. He says, rather than thinking about it in terms of that, like a movie, is so we're waiting for the movie to end. Think of it in terms of a dance, or a choreography, or a musical composition. The music isn't being played to arrive at the end. We don't play music to come to the end. We don't dance in order to complete the choreography and be finished with the dance. It itself is it has validity in and of itself. And that's, that's what life is. Life has validity in and of itself. A practice, the practice life, or life within practice has validity in and of itself. It's a choreography, it's a dance. And our job is just not to try to cross purposes with that, with the rhythm and pace of that song or that dance. Just follow the melody of the movement stay with mood, stay with the overture as it's unfolding. Now, now we have patience. Now we have patience. But the mind's eye thinks too quickly about the next thing. The next thing, because it it can't find satisfaction, but temporarily Mm -hmm. you finds find satisfaction within a dancer. But then pretty soon, if there's a start the a slight restlessness, and that slight restlessness uh, feels like, well, you know, that's fine for you now, but I've got other things to do, and then on and on. Well, there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to do. There's no end to this. See you know, time has been taken away. Just that we don't arrive somewhere else. In fact, the very sense of arrival shows us we have more to do. The sense, the, the claiming of, of having a rod, the claiming of having a rod. Because it's open-ended. And so, patience—not the patience in that open-endedness, you see, now it has a beautiful subtleness <coughs> Beautiful us that requires what requires showing up completely being completely devoted this devoted dance together about devoted to the song or dance is being played and the song and dance the song is being played now is a 100 degree temperature that's the tune. And what we're doing, you see, if we start using our meditation, and I want to focus in on this because it's a real art to meditation that people miss, the meditation has only one point, and that is the discovery of how it is that we're resisting that too, how it is that we're dancing out of step. How we're missing the key. We're off key. in the song and the dance. And so it requires what? It requires stepping back, not stepping toward it. Start stepping back with you. Let me hear this song. Let me hear what's being played here. And then the body, when it lives the tune, when it lives the dance, it starts moving. You don't have to force it. It's not a forced requirement. You start feeling the body move effortlessly with the song. You're tapping out the steps. Because it's now become the rhythm, the rhythm of the mind body experience in itself in that moment. And all of this figuring out, all of this, this sense of philosophical debate we have well i understand i understand this and i you know i don't know what are the five this is and it's like somehow we're going to pass a test on buddhism when we get out of here and we'll know more than the person next to us or someone other the that's nothing to do with it, it throws back it throws us out of the tomb away from the tomb You see that, the heart, you can feel the heart leap out. You can feel the heart, heart arise to the occasion. Cause it, the mind knows that it can't do that. It can't philosophically teach itself to dance. It has to enter the rhythm. And so it has to shut up in order to do it. It has to be quiet, and then the dance occurs. You see? And so much of our meditation is exactly that. Exactly that. But we're so interested in being right because we have such a strong sense of having a, a personal wrong, something wrong with us personally, that we want to get this thing right. I was you with know, a, Right before I regained, I was in Thailand. There was a a monk who had been a scholarly monk for years and years, but had never practiced. And um, I said to him, uh, I I was all enthusiastic about the practice. I said, Why aren't you practicing? He says, I have to know what the Buddha said to get it right. And I didn't argue with him, but I thought, Huh. How do you ever get know when you're right? If you have I don't know, it's ten or fifteen years of your practicing, or you've been studying. You know, what point do you know enough so that you actually sit down and you see the mind will always debate against itself, will always find a way or a reason for us not to enter the dance for us to stay just outside, just outside, watching, because we don't want to make a mistake once we get in, we don't want to stumble, be embarrassed. Enough delays. Enough delays. And so part of patience is just understanding that rhythm. and. And that the true mission is the mission of discovery. Now, when we're discovering something, what are the qualities that need to be there in order for true discovery to occur? Well, we have to be quiet. So that takes care of the mind. Because if we're not quiet, we won't discover anything. We'll just be looking around, following the noise of our mind, becoming restless in all the other states that the mind presents. But if we are really interested in discovery, we're going to have a rapt attention. And that attention is still. And we're going to be very uh, acutely sensitive to whatever is arising. So we're going to see. These are qualities of discernment, of sensitivity, of awareness and interest. And those are all heart qualities follow- that come out, arise within that dance to make the step, to be able to integrate into the steps of that. And suddenly the whole thing becomes chaotic because the mind steps in and we think, okay, basically. Just patience with all of this. Patience with the disturbances as well as the stillness. Patience. Just patience. Let us bring patience to whatever arises. Even if what arises seems to disturb the quiet. If I'm patient with that, then I'm able to frame that disturbance with quiet. So let's let me back up a moment. Let's look at some of the ways that we try to feign patience. Mm-hmm. We're all we're pretty good at it. Pretty good, especially spiritual people. They keep themselves in check for some time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about resignation? You know, you're somewhere where you don't want to be, so you know you can't get out of it. Like perhaps tonight. Right there's a big sign on the door that says, "Please do not leave once you enter." Because can. I'm stuck with all <laughs> <laughs> my So he says, "But now you resign resigned to me. you're not showing up." Right? That has nothing to do with but but you're but you but you're resigned to me. It's like when I was a boy, I was forced to go to church. I couldn't get out of it. My parents were too on that issue, so I would go, painted it, never got a thing out of it, just sitting there running my key. But I was resigned to go. No patience there, but I was I was there in body, but not in mind. Right? Because patience requires showing up, requires not constantly seeing the element of time into everything we do. So that's because of that one we got to exist. We get to understand you know, patience is simply living through everything. Simply living through everything. And that's the definition. You could not say that as a definition, couldn't you? The willingness to live through everything. Live through. To live everything. To live everything. So patience is not waiting, not waiting for something. So many of us are very good at that. We're, you know, we're going to sit here, and we're waiting, we're waiting for the person to be ready or for our bus to arrive, and we constantly look at the clock. And well, we're going to be patient. We're very patient. Sweet, so, you know, bus no, bus not coming. We're going to be patient. So we're trying to. It's really the impatient mind trying to be patient, isn't it? We're not patient. We're impatient. But we're going to have an outward display, try to tuck ourselves in, and hold ourselves fast to the seat. Meanwhile, we're being very disturbed by the lack of, or the tardiness of whatever it is that we're looking for. Restraint is another distortion of patience. We're, it's a mental forgery, actually, where we, we're going to be restrained in what we're doing. And it's, it's kind of like a, um, a horse pulling on the reins that's tied to a post. You see, the post, post is the patient the I'm, just, I'm like eating, I'm getting mad at you. But I'll be restrained. You know, I'll walk slowly. I feel like running, but I'll walk slowly. And many of us on retreat have that. We're going to so I'll be restrained. And I'll be correct. And I'll be proportional. And I'll be appropriate. But that's not patience. That's not. The and then endurance is the other. Endurance is an interesting one. We're not where we want to be, but we're going to endure. We're going to, you know, let I hate this heat, but I'll endure it, because I know fall's coming. So I'm just going to endure And all through all of these uh, you know, forgeries of patience, mental forgeries, because they are, they're not the true thing. There are attempts towards what we think patience is, but it's not true patience. Our parental overtones, like, I should, I must. Be still, be quiet, like your parent, you know, and study them. Okay. Don't talk, be good, children should be seen and not heard. All of okay, just sit, all of that, all of those parental overtones, and shoulds and musts operate through us. But there's no relaxation, there's no space, there's no ease. Never join the dance. We're dancing a completely different step than what life is offering. We're like in a different ballroom, listening to a completely different journey. What does it look like to show up to this tune, to enter this dance? What does it look like? What is patience? To just asking that, opening up to that time. What is it the part, that a genuine heart that would like to know what patience is? And many of us, I mean I have a very clear memory of sitting on, on with my grandparents. My grandparents were old even dead. and I just remember seeing their wrinkled hands and I was <coughs> perhaps uh three or four sitting on their knee or something. And I just remember being held, just steady really, not held on the person's knee, on the grandfather's knee, and feeling, wow, I, this, I really, I felt appreciated, I felt comforted, I felt that I was accepted, completely accepted, I felt there was no hurriedness in him holding me, he wasn't waiting to put me down so we could do something else. I remember feeling that. I didn't have the words at that time or the language to be able to describe it as patient. But I felt, energetically, that sense of being precious to and for myself in that moment. Being validated to someone in that moment. And that's what patience does, doesn't it? It validates. If we've ever had someone be patient with us, it's a form of validation. And when we're in between things, and all this view of this, and I'm to I certainly do this often as well, is when you're you know caught up in the whole uh cycle of busyness and somebody comes in and they want to ask a question, and you're between A and C and they're interrupting it. And when you have to stop and release that tension to show up for that person so that you can validate them and their question in that moment, very difficult. Most of us are very uncomfortable in that respect. But the possibility is there. The possibility exists. To that. So there are two words that I find to be very important for the full embodiment of patience. And that is, unhurried acceptance. And I think those two words, unhurried acceptance, carry the range of what patience is. Unhurried. We're not trying to be patient. When we're trying to be patient, we're already in it. I'm trying to be patient with me, that I've already lost patience. I'm trying, now I'm trying to reel myself in by a counter move to the anxiety and disturbance and restlessness I feel. So, there's no trying to be patient. Mm -hmm. Krishna, I already know, Suzuki Roshi calls it constancy, constancy. Constancy. That's a beautiful, that's a beautiful description of what we're looking at here. It's not something special because we've never left it. And therefore when we, when awareness is accessed, there is that sense of everything having equal opportunity, equally held, open-ended, Krishnamurti, another person who I've admired for many years, said, that "Patience is not of time. Any thought of time is impatience. So, no watchings. There's no clock. There's no ticking timer. And if there's a ticking timer, then already I'm out and killing others." So the unhurriedness, the complete loss or lack of wanting to get over into something else more important. That's where the understanding of evolutionary time comes in. Because patience surrenders to that timelessness. You see, it's really knowing it starts, you might say, with knowing what life's point is, the point of life. If we don't know that the point of life is to live it and not to produce or to arrive somewhere firmly, then we're never going to be patient. If we've lost the point of life, the objective to what life is about, if life for us is just a series of accomplishments, a series of arrivals, and we can't expect our mind to understand what patience is because it requires us to have abandoned that as the point and meaning of what we do. It's open-minded. It's everything, including that beautiful, pleasant touch of the hand. And in that sense, it's just Is in, in the Bible, I like to sometimes post some, uh, Psalms, Bibles, in the home, song. <laughs> uh, it says, uh, He that waits upon the Lord will be renewed in strength. Now, wait is the wrong word, but if you, 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 you take patience in he that waits upon the Lord will be renewed in strength. He will rise up like the lamb of sea. He will walk. You know, he will run and not be hurried. He will walk and not be late. I love that. Because it's pointing to exactly the same thing. Or the verse in the Bible that says, uh, be still and know you are God. That's pretty radical. I don't know how... That's pretty radical. (laughs) You still don't know your God. Almost sounds like a heretic. And so that sense of being still and abiding in the moment and opening up to the expansiveness, the expansiveness of patience, so that it's like the the, open field that has no, there's no fence So that's the unhurried quality. The unhurried quality, as I look at the time and how much time i have going to the rest of this talk, talking about the unhurried quality of my speech. I have to move on <laughs> to the acceptance quality, to the, to the quality of love, to the quality of nurture, to the quality of preciousness, to the quality of showing up, to the quality of validating. And I, I have a. I, I went to a physical therapist, and he gave me some some uh, exercises to do. So I was doing it, but I was forcing them, uh, in kind of an effortful way. And so I went back, and he said, "Well, you're in worse shape than." Uh, <laughs> I, I did all the exercises. He said, "Show me how you did it." And, um, you know, I was children and I was my way into the next He said, the body needs your gentleness. What do you teach? The <laughs> 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 body needs my gentleness. We need our gentleness. We need our, not our force, our gentleness. Our ease. We need our gentleness. See that but all these words are like dead stop, you know that none of them contain uh, the frenetic pace we live. All of the words we're using tonight, in any word of the heart, is dead stop, is a dead stop word. You're like, park here. Dead stop. gentlemen. <laughs> us appreciation, how are we ever going to appreciate something if we aren't connected to it? As soon as we show up, we're connected. How can we be patient to something if we're not connected to it? All of it requires some relationship, right? It's so funny. We always try to do it by not having the relationship. I'll be patient, I just don't want to have to show up for what's going on. Patience requires the relationship as to be primary. Now the relationship is primary. Now we dead stop with the relationship. we to connect with it. Now we connect with it, we can be appreciative of it and gentle to it. We can open our heart for and with that which is occurring. So all of it requires requires us showing up, which is a consistent theme to this talk. And finally, I want to mention uh, about um, pausing, the patience of pausing and, and the sense of both of, of unhurriedness and acceptance that pausing gives us. And I want to suggest bringing more and more pause into our lives as we live. So. Just to, to, to give some brief moment of time between the hurried pace we are up until that point living and the hurried pace that we have to do in the future. Just, just to bring a sense of a two or three breaths in to that sense of pause. Especially when we're about to move into action. Especially when those actions are often based on an emotional appeal. If there's not a pause, there can be no patience. It'll be just one domino falling in a row, one after another. And to pull out one of those dominoes, and to just, okay, just give myself ten seconds here before I respond, rather than explode upon the scene. Sometimes just that one domino, maybe two dominoes, can give us enough sense of being settled sufficiently to allow patience to arise, which can create the necessary discernment so that the appropriate action can arise from that awareness. And if we don't, if we don't, we're often we're sorry for most, um with most of our mistakes come from the unwillingness to pause. Just that willingness to pull ourselves into a kind of unhurried flow. let just pause in this. One. See, this requires faith. This is what the Buddha is talking about. Patience is the path of devotion. The pause is a pause of faith because we're no longer convinced that our reactions are the course of truth. That the pause will give us a, a steering towards something far different than our reactive patterns would entail. And that faith, to allow faith to show up in our practice, in our lives, to take off the burden of where we're going, to take away the, the, the goal, the arrival in fact, in practice, may I suggest, uh, and this is something that uh, Ryan, who I teach with, uh, often says, she says, listen, the practice and where the practice is going is none of your business. Okay? So that clears the table. It's not for you to foresee where it's going. It's not for you to predict where it's going. It's not for you to weigh in on how far you've come. It's none of your business whatsoever. And that none of your business isn't a cold slab of abuse. It's simply opening it up to patients. Because when it's none of our business, it has its own timing. And there is timing within timelessness. That things move in accordance with their own nature, with their own understanding, not according to our effort, not according to our need for them to move in a particular dis- this, uh, direction, with a particular pace. It's that opening up. Mm-hmm. And when something is none of our business, then suddenly it has its own movement, has its own pace in our life. And so does our practice. Our, our job is to stay um, aware of what seems to obscure our presence in this moment. And to look at it. And to be patient with it. And in that patience, that which obscures it starts opening up, and the movement starts happening from that willingness to abide and be uh, aware of whatever obscures us. And that's how it works. And so we sit. And we sit with pictures. And so we live. And we live with pictures. And it's not my time. And it's not your time. And to get a feeling for the right time. The right song is being made, the right step that needs to be acted on within this dance, within this moment, to connect, to have a relationship, to discover the music, not to create our own songs within this fabric of dance or music that's all around us, but to listen to the music that's being played and to devote our Devote ourselves to the rhythms and dance of this one. Not to the one that are is saying, but to the heart's response of this one. That's the dance call. That's the dance call. Thank you all. Can I sit for a minute or Thank you for listening.